music. The world famous. WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley. The show where we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports here on 90.7 WXIN. I am alone here today, but that is all right because we have a lot to talk about. We have uh, my final, but not my final, but notes on the current state of the Celtics roster, notes on some numbers that they might be retiring soon, some that I think that they should, um, an update on the Red Sox weekend and how the trade and the upcoming trade deadline, things I think that they should do, things I think that they will do, and also a football thought or two even on comments on um, some gentlemen's 19-0 comments. So anyway, with all that on the table, the phone lines are still not working, but if you want to join in on the conversation, do not be afraid to tweet at me, at Jake R. Elmsley. Once again, that's at Jake R-E-L-M-S-L-I-E. And join the conversation that way. Anyway, with all that, we have a lot on the table today, so we are going to dive right in. Once again, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. Anyway, we'll open up with, uh, as really we seem to always do on the show, open with the Celtics. And as it stands, I think that the Celtics roster has almost fully come. I think it's almost done. Obviously, over the weekend or recently, they've officially signed Semi Ojale. They've officially signed Nader. And I think I'd say that with the way he played down the stretch after the first couple of games, where I was really worried about him, but after that, he picked it up. I would say that Ante Zizek is close to a lock to make the roster. So that would leave. 13 roster that would leave 13 roster spots covered going into the summer league I had 10 locks to make the roster those obviously being IT Hayward Crowder Horford Morris Brown Tatum Smart Rozier and Baines and now those last three spots have been filled so that leaves one maybe two spots that don't want to carry 15 guys and I start to wonder what the options that are and by the way I love that they've signed semi semi was a great player I thought that I Basically figured he was going to make the roster, especially after Brad Stevens' comments that he was had the potential to come in and be one of the best defenders right out of the gate. I'm just happy to see the now G League MVP Nader making the team, so he could be fun. He had a good, decent summer league. Zizek, I had really high hopes for. Maybe they were misplaced. I was kind of buying into the hype more about what I was reading, but... Zizek obviously did not meet my expectations the first couple of games. And once again, those expectations did not come from playing him. Excuse me, did not come from watching him play. Because I'm not going to act like I was watching Turkish basketball, but I was reading the things that he could come in and potentially be a rebounder. And then the first couple of games, he just looked lost. But down the stretch, he was able to post a couple of double-doubles, which was good. Very good. I mean, showed that maybe he could rebound. Mind you, it's the summer league, so who cares? But he looked good. And obviously, I don't have the same hopes I had going in. But I'm like, oh, maybe if Zizek has a good summer league, he can be a starter. I was an idiot. I don't know why I thought that. I was being an absolute fool. But I think he can still come in. He can still play minutes. Will st- still be better than Zeller. Which will hold out. Still an anti-Zeller program. He's gone. So maybe we should har- stop harping on him. But I, they haven't officially signed Zizek. But I just, at this point, I think they will. I don't think they're going to send him down to the G League. G League. Gatorade drink it anyway so I don't think that they're going to send him down to the G League I think that he'll make the team so once again that leaves one maybe two roster spots and guys who I think could full fill that I literally like on my phone as the summer league was going on I wrote out a list of like locks then options then outside guys and you know the options of course being guys that are already on the team in their system and they've kind of thinned that out they've already waived Demetrius Jackson they've already waived Jordan Mickey so really like the last two in-house guys, I think are still candidates to potentially make the team. Yabuselli, who I tried like hell to secure an interview with, but the main red clause would not allow me to, but it's fine. Maybe I can still get him if he doesn't make the team and stays in the G League. Obviously, Yabuselli didn't play in, in the Summer League because of a foot injury, which sucked, really, from all extents purposes. All of us Celtics fans wanted to see him play again because, once again, we've been hearing good things. Once again, I was not watching Chinese basketball, and I was not watching D-League basketball back when it was D-League basketball, but from all accounts, he was putting up big numbers in the D-League, which means nothing because if you don't put up big numbers in the D-League, then I'm concerned about you, but he was putting up big numbers in the D-League, 
and obviously they have a need for bigs, which they've really done a pretty adequate job filling so far, but I still think that if they like what they saw in the D-League enough, Yabuselli could still make the team. I think he might, so he's an option. Then Jabari Bird, who they drafted, I believe, 56th or 57th this year, who Jackson Reaper, who was supposed to be my guest today, friend of the show, been on the show before, was on the live stream to the draft, got me really hyped out, hyped up about for really no reason, but he just told me that I should love Jabari Bird, and I love the name, so I've been rolling with it. So he can make the team, though. He did have a pretty decent summer league. He had a couple of 15-plus um, point games. Really seemed like they were passing him the ball enough, just because I was paying a lot of attention to this guy for a late second-round pick. But Jabari Bird is an option. And then, well, I'll get into my outside options later, my potential free agents for the team, but I'll just talk about the state of the roster as it is. As it stands so far, they've obviously they've committed themselves to... Obviously, obviously the team has actually committed itself to bringing in as many players as they can that they feel can play in this positionless style of basketball where basically, you know, the two through the four mean nothing. And and for one, I love it because I think it really does allow you to build your roster with just as many talented players as possible as opposed to, you know, deciding, ooh, we can't bring in this guy because he's a shooting guard, not a small forward. But... I mean, you look at the two guys who they have signed, Nader and Zizek. Those guys are both 6'8 or close to it, both above 200. Guys who can guard multiple positions. They can play between the two and the four. They can both shoot decently well. I'm not trying I'm not trying to do a Nader and Ojale hype train right now, but they fit what this team has set out to do in terms of player profile. And also, I'm just glad to see this team is embracing the rebuild and is bringing in these young guys and is actually letting them make the team instead of going out and signing some random guys, which I'm happy about, which I'm almost happier that this is happening as opposed to them signing, you know, a guy like Jamal Crawford or something. But it's good because I think these guys, if it's Zizek, obviously is a traditional center. He's a five, maybe a four, if you don't mind him not spacing the floor. But, you know, it's okay to have a guy like that around. And then, you know, they have IT and Rozier who can... Now, Rosio can play the two, I think. But, you know, you have got... You have IT, who's obviously purely only ever going to play point guard. He's probably going to guard three different positions by nature of guarding the worst guy. But, you know, the Hayward. Hayward can play the two and the three. They obviously, they view... they It's almost seems like they view Jalen Brown more as a two than a three. But he can guard the two, the three, and the four. Tatum seemingly can do the same thing just because of his length. So, Smart, we already know, can go one through three. So, it's, I like the roster. I do. I like the guys who they've signed. I like that they've brought a lot of these young guys along. And hopefully they're going to get some time, at least some of them. Because obviously they're not all going to get time. All 13 guys aren't going to get to play. It's just nature. Like, some of them are going to log nothing but DNPs the whole season. And probably get optioned down to the Red Claws. But... It's still good to see that at least letting these guys make the team. And it can at least let them compete for the minutes that are going to be there because, you know, obviously the team's lost a lot of players. They haven't lost players who I was fond of, except for Olenek. But that's just because Olenek is funny. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of minutes available, you know, between Amir being gone, who started every regular season game. Olenek, who was one of the first guys off the bench. Jarekbo's gone. Zeller's gone. Gerald Green's gone. And all those guys had, you know, different levels of playing time. But... It's just nice to see that these guys are at least with the team and they'll get a chance to play. Because obviously, I'm not under any delusion that they're all going to be good or if none of these young guys are good, I get it. But at least if you bring in as many of them as possible, your chances of hitting on one go up exponentially. Because one of them is bound to be good. Like, one of these guys is bound to be a hit. Or maybe they all are. And if you can get... I'm going to talk about a hit like an all-star, but like if Semi or Nader or Zit... If Semi or Nader, who were second-round picks can develop into, you know, legit rotational guys. That's a steal. If Zizek can develop into a legit rotational guy or a starter, if he's a legit rotational guy at the bottom of the first round, that's a little less of a steal, but still a steal. If he becomes a starter, forget about it. Not even an all-star, just a guy who can start. It's a steal. So as long as you can get, you know, some of these guys to become something, that's good. And I'm glad that they're at least giving them the chance to maybe become that. Now we'll see... If Brad Stevens is willing 
to play these guys because obviously I was very critical of the way he handled Jalen Brown last season and that terrifies me about how he'll handle Tatum who mind you is more NBA ready so I actually do think that he'll probably get more playing time than Brown Brown did as than Brown did as a rookie but it's good I'm just glad that these young guys are here instead of you know bringing you know bringing back Gerald Green or something like that or somebody who's not part of the team's future so that's good and at the worst, if these guys are pretty good, they're at least trade assets or something, I guess. Because I'm also happy that Nader and Semi are both on four-year deals, which is great. They're not on the standard, you know, second-round, two-year deal. They're both on, you know, four-year deals with the last two years of team options, which is awesome. Which is awesome for the team. Which I love. But, yeah. Basically, this roster is really fun to look at, though, because there's just so many options for starting lineups. And I love it. You know, obviously, you know, for basically every permutation of the roster, I imagine IT is going to be at the one and then Horford's going to be at the five. But then, you know, Brown can play the two. Hayward can play the two. Tatum can play the two. Smart can play the two. Rozier could start at the two. Then, you know, Brown and all, then almost all those guys except for Rozier can play the three or then Crowder can play the three or Crowder can play the four. Or Tatum and Brown can play the four if you don't mind losing some height there, which clearly they don't, because once again they're embracing this positionless approach. And it's, or Morris, keep forgetting about him, or even Baines, I guess, or Zizek can start at the four maybe, or Semi can. Semi was guarding some seven foot one guy on the 76ers summer league team. Well, mind you, the guy's probably never go sniff the NBA, but still, it was a guy who was four inches taller than him, and he was stopping him, and Stevens loved that. So it's just. You know, they have a lot of options for starting lineups, and it's really fun. And I wouldn't even be surprised if you don't even see this team stick with one starting lineup throughout the entire year. If you see this team changing up the lineup to suit the opponent, to suit the game, to suit what's best for that time, I wouldn't even be surprised to see that, honestly. Because I think that a lot of go- that the core guys are all going to get good minutes. And I think as long as Stevens can manage the egos of Jay Crowder, that he'll be able to be able to do that. Because, you know, outside of Crowder, who I think would be a problem if he's stop isn't able to start after, you know, what he said about Gordon Hayward when he came to Boston, you know, months and months ago. I think that as long, and even if you're able to tell the guy, like, look, you might not start every night, but, you know, you'll get 20, 25 minutes. If that can appease him, if they can handle that kind of thing and they can, can just always be shifting around the lineup, always be unpredictable, suit the opponent. This is a fun roster. Now, I don't think that they beat Cleveland still, and I stand by that, but it's still, it's a fun roster. This team is a lot better, obviously, so it's good. I like the roster. I like the young guys are making it. I'd like to see who makes it. I hope Yabuselli makes a team. I hope Jabari Bird makes a team, but yeah, and then that leads me. Once again, there's two spots open, so that kind of leads me into now if they're kind of looking, if they're kind of looking outside the team, if they're looking outside the building couple of guys who I think could be interesting. Deadman obviously, was the big one for everybody. I mean, a lot of people were talking about Deadman. A lot of people thought Deadman could be a good fit here as a rebounder, and I agreed with them. Some kind of sign-and-trade, maybe, but the Hawks beat you to the punch there. But still, there are a couple of guys. First guy, a guy who I have talked about at nauseum on this show, back during the trade deadline, who, for some reason, has just stolen my heart, is, uh, is Andrew Bogut. He's still out there. Andrew Bogut, if his ankle's healed up, he could be a good fit on this team. And I'm sick of talking about Andrew Bogut. No, I'm not. I love you, Andrew. But I'm sure you're all sick of hearing me talk about Andrew Bogut. But for the same reason I thought he was a good guy at the trade deadline to bring in, he brings a bit of rebounding. He's not an elite rebounder, but he can still do it. He's, But he's a big who can pass the ball. He's not the guy he used to be, but he's still big who can pass the ball, play a little bit of defense. He's not a rim protector, but, you know, when you're going for this Pace and place, pace and space style, and you want everybody to be able to shoot from a certain degree. You know, you're gonna give up because you're just there are only a handful of pure, true rim protectors who can also shoot, and those are some of the. You don't just find those guys, obviously. That's Anthony Davis, like, or Demarcus Cousins, like you don't just find that guy. But Bogey could be a fit, and then another guy who I don't hear talked about really at all. Around here is a Maurice Spates, who just, you know, he's still free. He was with the Clippers last year. And he's 29, but he was willing to play at the veteran minimum last year for the Clippers. 
Now, he doesn't play a lot of defense. He doesn't play any defense, but, you know, Mo Buckets could... Once again, he's still a big guy, though. He could space the floor. So if he's willing, you know, come in again at a vet minimum contract as the Celtics, or even a mid-level exception, which the Celtics can still use, and the same goes for Bogut, veteran minimum, mid-level exception. He's another guy who, you know, he could potentially fit into what the Celtics are trying to do. As just like a 14th, 15th guy in the roster. And maybe they only bring in one guy, or maybe they only sign Yabu Selling. They want to leave that 15th spot open for flexibility, which a lot of teams like to do. So, yeah, I guess if you had to ask me, ideally, I would like to say bring in Yabu Selly and this, just that's it. But they bring in one of these guys, one of the veteran. Doesn't bother me. Because so far, loved I've loved the Celtics offseason. I mean, I would have loved if they would have been able to get Paul George, but still they did everything and more that I was saying I wanted them to do, you know, before the offseason started. And I started, you know, get swept up in all the hype and all the rumors. So still, the Celtics have, have had a good offseason, I think. I've liked it. So that's my sense on the roster. Also, I've kind of, I for a while I was toying with the idea of maybe them bringing in like another ball handler, but I thought about that for a while. But then they got rid of Demetrius Jackson, which fine, who cares? Who cares? I'm, I don't think anybody was attached to Demetrius Jackson, but and I thought you know what? no, like Smart will probably still be the backup point guard. But if they see Smart being more as a two to three guy. I would really like to see Rozier get more minutes. I really loved him in the playoffs. So I this thought that I never told you guys that I had, I'm taking it back. So yeah, I would not like to see the Celtics bring in another ball handler, which was something that I think only I thought of and only I was thinking about when I wasn't doing this show. But whatever. I want to see more Rozier. I want to see more of all these guys, which sucks because I want to see a lot of these guys play. And I know that not all of them are going to get to, but once again, I'm happy that they're there. I'm happy that any of them are going to have the opportunities to uh, to get playing time. So, so far, I'm liking what the Celtics have on the roster. And I'm liking what they've done. And, you know, it gets me more excited for the season because, you know, I'm not excited about Hayward, but second round guys making the team, like, that's, that's tickling my fancy. So, that's good. Anyway, with that, I want to move into talking about... <laughs> The Red Sox and what happened to them over the weekend and yesterday. So, I will hold back on commenting on length of game stuff because I've done that nauseam. Unless I get bored, then maybe I'll start doing it again later, but I'll hold that off. This weekend against the Yankees, I think you have to consider splitting the series with them a disappointment. Especially when you factor in that it would be, you know, they would have you would have gone one and three if Chapman didn't choke, which he did. Chapman choked. And you were able to capitalize on it, which is good. But even then, you know, I'm still not willing to get excited about that. You know, what would have been the best thing for this team would have been to come in, like, just out of the de- out of the deadline, out of the all-star break, you know, just smash the Yankees, who were, who, you know, are, were kind of in a state before this of, you know, there's kind of an air around the team. Like, you no, know, are we going to go for it now? Are we going to be buyers? Are we going to be sellers? And if you can just smash them, you know, maybe they're like, okay, this is in our year. We'll sell off some stuff and we'll start getting ready for next year. But they were able to split the series with you. And obviously, as I'll get into later, they decided that they were buyers. And that might give them a little bit of confidence. Not to mention only a couple games behind you now, but splitting the series wasn't great. And the way it looked does not make it any better. Because this team has obviously, the, la- the last couple of months, they've had a serious problem generating actual offense. And 16 innings, this team was able to score one run. And I don't really put anything from this weekend on John Farrell. I know a lot of people want to, but I really don't. This weekend was on the players. You know, guys weren't able to hit in big spots a lot of the time. And the pitching was very good for a lot of it. So I don't really put any of it on the pitching except for Doug Fister, who I guess blew the 16-inning game. But even then, he came in cold. And me and Josh Percy went head-to-head about this for a little while. But I'm not going to fault him entirely for coming in cold in a 16-inning game, which I want to fault him. But other people talked me out of it. So whatever. I'll harp on the offense, not on the fist man. So the offense hasn't looked good. Over the weekend, 
And Price looked awesome in the last game, though, which was great to see. And they needed that because, obviously, when you have a doubleheader and a 16-inning game the night before, your bullpen is drained. So the fact he was able to go, was it eight or was it seven innings? The fact that he was able to go eight innings was so key for this team. And I didn't even think that Price should have pitched in this series. Because the Yankees, they've had his number all year, obviously. Gary Sanchez had a nice old deed to David Price's soul after the first series against the Yankees. So when I found out he was starting, I was like, eh, maybe not. Maybe not the best idea in the primetime game. You want to put Price out there? Do you really? Remember what happened last time he played the Yankees? He blew up on the media. But I was wrong. He rose to the occasion. And I'm not going to say that David Price has changed until I see him win a playoff game, but he's been promising as of late, so that's very good, especially since, once again, the bats have been so cold. But the fact that he was able to step up there, great to see. And the game last night, the 15-inning spectacular, as many times as the Celtics, the Red Sox... Blue chances to win that game. They really did. Marrero not being able to bunt. The Red Sox almost having the game end if Jackie Bradley didn't happen to make it to home plate right before whoever was, was it Ben Intendi? I don't remember who, but whoever it was got thrown out at third, which frankly I've never even seen. Just a lot of weird st- They blew a lot of chances to win that game, but they were also hitting. They, they hit decently in that game, and I think that probably the biggest thing that I take away from that game is Hanley. Hanley looked very good and very engaged late in the game when I, I don't even think you can fault a guy for kind of tuning out in the 14th, 13th inning of the game, but like his second to last, not even talk about the walk-off home run, the second to last at bat, he got up, and for some reason I was just looking at him. I'm like, oh, Hanley's out of it. Hanley's not in this. I don't know. I'm just looking in his eyes. He didn't look engaged. And then he hit the ball. It was a ground ball. It went, he hit it with some good power. It went pretty far out. And then he hustled to get a double, which people aren't really talking about. They're talking about the home run, which is fine. Obviously, that's what you'll talk about. But don't overshadow that because he hustled to get that double, which was very good to see from Hanley. So. That was very good seeing. And obviously seeing him hit for power and seeing him hit for the home run was so crucial because that's what this team will need going forward. Regardless of what they do or don't add before the deadline, this team needs Hanley or they need somebody on this roster to really start hitting for power. And obviously Hanley's the guy who would be the one to do that. And it was the second half of the year last year when he picked it up. It's a little past that now, but there's still a chance for him to do that. So I don't want to harp too much on one game. But I also give the guy a lot of crap for one game where he doesn't look engaged. So I'll credit the guy when he does do it. And he played first. So hopefully if he doesn't fake an injury, he'll really, you know, complete having a good night in my eyes. So we'll see what happens. But it's good to see Hanley was hitting for power. He was engaged late in the game and obviously was able to come up super clutch. So and let me go to bed also, which was all because I just want to go to bed so badly. But once you get into a game that's that long, you just, I feel like I'm cheating myself if I do go to bed. Like, oh, and like, I wasn't even in the room when Hanley hit the home run. I had gotten up to go get some corn on the cob. And then by the time I got back into the room, Hanley had hit the home run. And then I was back, because now I had to finish this corn on the cob. <laughs> or else I couldn't. <laughs> even though I just wanted to go to bed because the game was over, but it was good to see. And hope, hopefully, you know, for the Red Sox. That's a sign of things to come out of Hanley in the future. Or, you know, more likely we hear today that, like, he has a toothache and he's not going to play for another three weeks because he's mad that he played first base. But hopefully that's not the case. Anyway, though, it is. We are 15 minutes away from the top of the 5 o'clock hour right now. We are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. Once again, if you want to join in the conversation, don't be afraid to tweet at me, at Jake R-E-L-M-S-L-I-E. That's at Jake Elmsley. Once again, the phone lines are down, but still don't feel, be afraid to engage on Twitter. So you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. We're going to have a quick break, and we will be right back. Bill 
build a better tomorrow by planting trees. When you support Tree City USA, you're helping the environment and your community. Visit the Arbor Day Foundation website, arborday.org, and find out which trees to plant where and how to contact your state forester for community forestry assistance. Help the Arbor Day Foundation plant more trees across the nation. To contact the Rhode Island Division of Forest Environment, go to arborday.org. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they can rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. Date on current events, just want to hear yourself speak, then join WXIN's News Talk Sports Department and you can talk local news, road events, sports, whatever you want. Attend meetings at Horace Bend 186 on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. or stop by the station anytime to get your slot today. It's not the size that matters, it's the pleasure it provides. WXIN FM. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, here on 90.7 WXIN. We're right back here. We're going to be diving into some, uh, some talk about the trade that the Yankees just made and how it affects the Red Sox. But if you want to join in on the conversation about anything we've been talking about or anything we're going to be talking about or anything you want to talk about, don't be afraid to tweet at me, at Jake R. Elmsley. Once again, that's at Jake R-E-L-M-S-L-I-E. Anyway, I'm still alone here, but that's fine. So we're going to be diving uh, right back in now with... If you haven't heard already, which I always feel like I'm never the first person to tell you people anything because I go once a week and have to cover the entire week in sports. I'm usually the last person to talk about anything. But anyway, the Yankees have traded for, I believe last night or like at 1 a.m., whenever it was, the Yankees traded for third baseman Todd Frazier, who was linked to the Red Sox. They have traded for Tommy Canal, I believe is how you pronounce it. And David Robertson, who are both relievers. David Robertson is obviously the better one of the two. Canal is more of a more of a throw-in. And the Yankees, in exchange, sent a package of prospects, one of whom, Blake Rutherford, was, I believe, the number three-rated prospect in all of the major leagues. And this package, basically, that the White Sox that the Yankees were able to get was a package that a lot of people were linking the Red Sox to, a package that a lot of people wanted the Red Sox to go after. So a lot of people were interested in the Red Sox bringing in Frazier and Robertson. Obviously, that would fix the two issues that most, well, not fix, but at least be part of a solution to the two problems. Obviously, a lot of people want the Red Sox to go after and get a third baseman, and everybody, including me, want the Red Sox to go after more bullpen help. So, getting both at once, obviously it's easy to link to with a team like the White Sox, who are 
absolutely just having a fire sale right now of every person, player, or employee who's not young. I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, <laughs> so this was a trade that people were linking. And a lot of people are upset that the Red Sox didn't make this deal. One of those people, believe it or not, I don't agree with what most people think. So this wasn't a deal that I was super excited about the Red Sox to get. And I'll get into my reasons why. First off, I really wasn't, I really didn't want the Red Sox to make a deal for a third baseman. Like, specifically, Todd Frazier was a guy who people were mentioning. So I'll talk about why I didn't want the team. And I was planning to come here and tell and talk about why I didn't want the team to trade for Todd Frazier. But now a trade for Todd Frazier has already happened. But it's fine. I'm still going to give you my reasons anyway. Because it really it applies to all third basemen who would be, a, be available at this time for the price that the Red Sox would supposedly be willing to play. Pay. A lot of people obviously at third base has a weakness. Obviously with the way Pablo was playing at the beginning. But... Personally, me, I'm pretty content with the team kind of just rolling with what they have now. Marrero is good defensively. Obviously, he's a black hole offensively. Or bunting, apparently, because he can't bunt, which we learned last night, is that Devin Marrero absolutely cannot bunt. I don't know why you draft a guy in the first round who can't hit, but, you know, whatever. He's here. He's good defensively. I liked what they were getting out of Zhu Wei Lin, who they've optioned down to Pataka, which makes me so sad because I want him to come back and be good just because I want Lin's sanity to be a thing here so badly. And also I'm confused why they would change his number and then immediately option him down. But he, was, he wasn't supposed to be able to hit, but he was hitting 311, I believe, was his batting average. Just mind you, it was a small sample size, but he was still hitting. And then Brock Holt just came back, and a lot. some people think that Brock Holt should be the full-time starter, and I don't like that at all. Brock Holt is best as a utility guy, a guy you can move around. I don't think he should be the full-time starter at any one position, but point is, like, the platoon of Marrero, Lynn, if he comes back, which I hope he does, and Holt, I think, is good enough. That'll get you... That's passable enough at third base. I don't feel like they should throw assets into... Assets into upgrading it, because also anybody you're really going to get isn't going to be too much of an upgrade, if that makes sense. Like, like Todd Frazier, he seems good. He seemed a lot better when Pablo was out there falling all over his, on his fat ass when he couldn't get a ground ball, but Todd Frazier is hitting at 200 right now. 205, excuse me. He's hitting at 205 right now. I'll, be, I'll give him, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the real stuff. He's hitting at 205. He has, but he does also have 14 home runs and 44 RBIs. So he's hitting for power, which the Red Sox desperately need. But I don't know. He just didn't present enough of an upgrade that I would like to see the team give up assets from its farm system, which, is, which has already been gutted by Dombrowski for a small upgrade. At a position where I think that they can pass that. And once again, a position where upgrading at that isn't going to really make the difference in making or not making a World Series run. Upgrading at third base will not make that difference. Now, now if you, and like, I'd almost, like I said, training for guy, I'd almost rather see the team bring up Davers. Which I've been saying for a while, and then people are like, no, he's only in double A. He's not Ben Intendi. Not everybody does that. Fine. And then he goes to triple A, and he's been tearing it up in triple A. It's only been a couple of games, but he's been on fire down there in Pawtucket. So I would still like to see him come up at some point during the year. And I'd just rather see that than trade for a guy. Now, what I would like to see them make a trade for, and what I think what I would be fine with them giving up. Something for, not Daver, not Devers, not Groom, but some kind of prospects, if they can swing it, is I would like to see the team make something, some kind of a deal for a reliever. Because that's, that's what will make the difference in any sort of potential World Series run, is upgrading the bullpen. Because as it stands, and I know that they have, I think, like the second ranked bullpen in the American League, and that the ERA looks good, but when you look at this bullpen... There's, who do you trust? And A, I mean, A, look at the stats. A, you take away Kimbrel, those stats fall apart, for one thing. But even beyond the numbers, who in this bullpen do you really, besides Kimbrel, 
do you emphatically trust every time they go up to the mound to just not F you, not to lose, not to just screw something up? I'm not saying every guy goes up there and I go, oh boy, this guy is going to screw him. But I'm also, there's not any guy who goes up there. I'm like, they're fine. This is good. Lockdown time. And you kind of need that. You need something besides a closer and starters that you trust if you want to make a World Series run. Like, I don't know, Barnes. Fine at home. Terrible on the road. And they have a bunch of guys like that. Just every guy. There's some guys who you trust against righties, but you don't trust them against lefties. There are guys you trust against lefties who you don't trust against righties. And just, and I don't know, apparently it sums out to good numbers, but I just, the numbers don't, numbers always, don't always tell the full story. And this team, they just need, they need one or two more guys who you can, you know, put up there and just feel fine against in most situations. And they tried to get that with Carson Smith. And they tried to get that in Tyler Thornburg. And look what happened. They both hurt. We're not seeing Thornburg all year. He's gone. And who even knows with Carson Smith? But apparently if you say yuck, David Price will tell you off. If you say anything bad about him. So maybe I should hold my tongue. But who knows what the deal is with him? And I don't know. Maybe on the other hand, I don't even trust Dombrowski to trade for a reliever. Because every reliever he's trade for is hurt. Or gets hurt. So I don't know. I just, I'm not trying to get mad. I don't know why I'm so upset right now, but this team, they, they just need more relief out because that's what will get you to the next level. That's what will put them there. And a small upgrade at third base isn't going to do that, but upgrade to your bullpen, getting a guy who can really, you know, put, help you put games away and bridge you to Kimbrel, that will do it for you. So, and I don't really know who the names are right now. Robertson was a guy I was interested in, but there are guys out there to be had. So I wouldn't mind if the team goes and trades for a reliever. Now, I'm not saying that this team is no chance that they make the World Series if they don't do this, you know, because this team has a lot of guys who are underperforming. You know, if the bats wake up again, if the team starting pitching, you know, stays the way that it's been, which has been pretty solid, honestly. All things considered between Sale, Price, and Pomerantz, things hold consistent. I'm not saying that they can't do it. They, they can't, you know, they can't manufacture some bullpen, but I would feel a lot better about this team if they're able to bring in a guy or two. So that's what I like to see the team do. And once again, I'm not, I'm not broken up that they weren't able to make this Todd Frazier trade. I think that the Yankees gave up too much for it. I would not have wanted to see the, Yan- the Yankees, see the Red Sox give up, you know, a Davers or a Groom to bring in those guys. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not broken up about it. I'm fine with it, really. So, we'll see what the Red Sox do. The trade deadline's coming up, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if Hanley wakes up. We're we'll see if all that. So, the Red Sox are they're still in a position. They can just pick up on some things. They'll still maybe make a run in the playoffs. So, we'll see what happens. But also, you know, now the Yankees, though, who split the series with you, they just got better. And they're only two games behind you. And they just beat, and watch out, but they just beat the Twins last night pretty well. And that's... I believe they're still in first place in the MLB in general. So, you know, the Yankees could still be coming. You know, Judge could heat back up. Or if they can bring in another starting pitcher, the Yankees could still be a dangerous team. So, that's with that. But anyway, I'm going to transition that away from baseball into the me digging the find a football note to talk about every week. And Edelman was being interviewed. I don't really remember where. But point is that, Julian Edelman, while being interviewed, was basically asked, like, what does he think of the 19-0 talk? Because obviously a lot of people here in the media, a lot of guys like me, a lot of people were saying, oh, maybe the Patriots, now that they've improved, they brought in Cooks, brought in Gilmore, brought in Gillisley, Gronk's coming back healthy, you know, they could go 19-0. They could make the undefeated season happen. A lot of people saying, because obviously, you know, when, you know, obviously they were the best team in the league last year. They won the Super Bowl, and they got, and they added, you know, nigh Pro Bowl-level talents on, you know, both sides of the ball. So, people are talking about it. Edelman, though, said that it's, quote, stupid to talk about 19-0. And that's got a lot of people debating now. Because, for one, I understand why Edelman doesn't want to talk about it. A, you know, who knows how superstitious he is, but obviously he probably doesn't want to jinx it. But then, even more, 
I guarantee you that Belichick told or constantly is telling every player on that team, don't talk about 19-0. Well, not that enthusiastic, excuse me. Don't talk about 19-0. Don't say this, don't say that. And I can only imagine the, the talking to that any player would get if they went on the media and said, like, yeah, we think we can go 19-0. So I can understand why Edelman would say it. Th- think that's stupid. Stupid for players to talk about, but now for us in the media, for the fans to talk about it, that's a different conversation because I'm a superstitious sports fan, for one thing. Like, I, I am very superstitious. When it comes to my sports, I move my seat around constantly if my team's doing poorly. If they're doing well, I won't move. I'm into all that crap. I don't like seeing Brady on the Madden cover. Yada, yada, yada. I buy into all of that just for the sake of I don't see any harm in doing it. So, obviously, if you think it's a jinx to talk about it, then you probably also think it's a jinx to talk about winning the Super Bowl or anything like that, and that's fine. That puts you in another box. I'm probably in that category. In my heart of hearts, I don't like talking about things until they happen. Well, I mean, I like talk. I like talk about everything. Obviously, it's why I have a show. It's why I do this. But you know, I don't like to say that things will happen because you know superstition. But if you don't believe in the superstition of it all, or that doesn't concern you, I don't think it's a stupid thing to talk about. I don't think that there are really. It's not a stupid thing to talk about. It's not like. Because I guess it's a possibility. It's fun to think about. Obviously, I can see why Patriots fans want it. I personally don't want the team to go undefeated in the regular season. Like, if the Patriots are 14-0, and I'm going to be rooting for them to lose one of those last two games. Just because, I don't know, I just don't want that disappointment again. And I just, I'm not ready for that. I'm not prepared for that, and I don't want that again. Because I've forgotten about the 18-1 season. Like, two Super Bowls now they've won since then. Like, I'm okay with it. I've come to terms with it. And I don't need that again. And I just feel like if you go if you go undefeated in the regular season and you get to the Super Bowl even, like, you just it's just going to affect you somehow. Even Brady, who's the biggest nutcase in the world, it's just going to affect you. I just feel it just will affect the way you play. You'll be stressed. You'll be worried about being perfect instead of just winning. And I don't know. I just... So for those reasons, I don't want a team to go 16-0 in the regular season. But it's not stupid to talk about. For us, for the not players in the world, for, you know, the, the guys, you know, the hundred thousand, you know, the million New England sports fans who aren't the 53 guys on the Patriots and the 10 guys in the coaching staff. It's not stupid for us to talk about, I think, because, you know, the team, they could. This is an excellent team that got much better so it's not dumb to talk about but I don't know it's a weird topic but it's not it's like there's not like a whole lot of meat to it but it's tough so anyway we're gonna take another quick break then we're gonna be coming right back with the with some more uh with some more Celtics talk and Maybe a little bit of even a little bit of stuff in this Mayweather-McGregor fight that's coming up. But we'll see how I feel about that. But anyway, though, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. If you want to join in the conversation, don't be afraid to tweet at me at Jake R. Elmsley. Once again, that's at Jake R-E-L-M-S-L-I-E. Anyway, though, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And we will be right back after this break. Now, more of what you listen for. 35 minutes, commercial free. 90.7 WXIN FM, Providence. My name is Joe Thompson. I'm 29 years old and have a career that I love as a systems analyst. Career. It still sounds cool to say that word. I never could have gotten on this path without a college degree. And if the college me were here, he'd tell you. I never would have gotten to college without Big Brothers Big Sisters. I could have ended up anywhere, on the streets even. But college? Joe Thompson? Not likely. My big brother helped me out. He taught me I could do anything, at a time when a lot of people were saying just the opposite. And to a seven-year-old, that means a lot. My big brother's name is Phil. 
and Phil is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a systems analyst. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child, and that can last a lifetime. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. This is Paul Stanley from KISS for Rad, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. Some of us work months producing a CD, but in less time than it takes to play it, someone will be killed in an alcohol-related crash. So please don't drive when you've been drinking. Plan ahead. Arrange a designated driver. Remember, friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Ford at Rick, can't think of anything better to do? Join 90.7 WXIN. Get your own radio show and force people to listen to your music. Help promote events and shows, or be a voice in a commercial airliner. All tastes and music are welcome at our meeting every Wednesday at 1 o'clock at Horace Mann 186. Or check us out at rickradio.org. Come play your music at your station. Best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. internet radio network on the planet. This is your station, your music, 90.7 WXIN, Rhode Island College Radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, here on 90.7 WXIN. It is 5.07 right now. I'm going to be trying to take you guys up to about halfway through the 5 o'clock hour, and we'll be ending the show for today. But we've been covering a lot of Red Sox stuff, a lot of Celtics stuff, a little bit of Patriots stuff, and we're going to be uh, jumping right back into the Celtics stuff for the last segment of the ga game. <laughs> last segment of the day. So the other day, Paul Pierce signed his one-day contract with the Celtics to retire a Celtic, as guys do these days. And which is always, you know, nice to see. Obviously, we all love Paul Pierce here, and that's brought up a lot of interesting conversations about Paul Pierce and where he ranks among uh, Boston sports greats. But it's a little strange, for one thing, the entire kind of everything surrounding the one-day contract was a little strange just because there really wasn't much of a deal made out of it at all, which a lot of people were trying this, which basically like it happened and they told you about it after, basically. Like I was just scrolling through Twitter, and they're like, oh, Paul Pierce signed a one-day contract today and is retiring. Yay, Paul Pierce. And that was like it. Which is, and a lot of people are trying to say, oh, well, Paul is humble. He doesn't want to make a big deal out of things. But then on the other hand, the entire point, he doesn't want to have like a whole ceremony and everything. But then on the other side of that, the entire point of these one-day contracts is just a ceremony. Because he's not, he's not going to play for the team. So it's it's literally ceremonial. So I don't know. Like the fact that they didn't announce it, that there was nothing around it, just seemed kind of kind of weird. I mean, it's great they did it. I mean, I don't really care about it that much, but I don't know. Just feel felt weird to me, but you know. So Paul Pierce retired a Celtic, a Celtic, in name, which is great, and he's obviously gonna have his number retired. And as I said, Jackson Reaper was supposed to be on the show today, but he had to cancel because of some unforeseen circumstances. I was doing okay, but we were debating before the show about whether or not the Celtics should retire Kevin Garnett's number which we went back and forth about and we argued about for quite a while 
And I am of the belief that the Celtics should retire Kevin Garnett's number. I understand that he wasn't here for a long time. But the Celtics obviously don't have the 08 championship without him. Obviously, they don't have the big three without him. And, you know, people then come at me with like, oh, well, if you retire Garnett, then you have to retire Ray Allen. Which also leads to another debate about whether or not we should all despise Ray Allen, which is an argument that I hate. And maybe I'll get into later. Maybe I'll get into another day. But no. And no, I don't think that the Celtics should retire Ray Allen's number. Not because he left for the Heat. Not because he was a traitor. But because I just don't think that, you know, the third or even maybe fourth best guy, if you really, really love early Rondo of a championship team, probably should get that number retired. Unless, you know, there was somebody really special like McHale or this guy who really sells it. But no, a guy who was with the team for four or five years and was the third best player on a championship team. No, that guy probably shouldn't get his number retired. Or, no, he shouldn't. But Garnett, though, who for one was... The best player on those teams. Paul Pierce was, you know, the leader of those teams. He was the captain of those teams. He was the face of those teams. But, you know, Garnett was the best player on those teams. He was the guy who finished, who should have won MVP in 08. He was the guy who won Defensive Player of the Year. He was the guy who was able to do it all. He was the former MVP. And... Yeah, Garnett was the best player on those teams. And I and I really don't think a lot of people, except for, you know, hardcore blind Paul Pierce fans, would argue that. But, yeah, Garnett was the best player on those teams. And that's a lot different from being the third best player on those teams. And then also, don't forget that, you know, Garnett chose to come here. It wasn't like Ray Allen when he was traded for, and he never chose. Garnett had to waive his no-trade clause. Garnett had to decide that he wanted to come be a part of the Celtics. So, you know... That should count for something. And then on top of that, without Garnett, you don't make the Nets trade, which has set up the rebuild that we're seeing now and makes it so the Celtics don't have to tank to get these draft picks. You don't have that trade without Garnett either. So, yes, I think, I believe that even if a guy had a short tenure with a team, if he had you know, a gigantic impact on that team and was a and was the reason that that team wins a championship that, yeah, a team probably should retire that guy's numbers. And I get it that retiring numbers has been cheapened in all pro sports lately. Teams do it way too often now. It's way too, guys, we shouldn't get the numbers retired. Do get the numbers retired. But I don't think Kevin Garnett is that sort of case. Because you don't have the last era of Celtics basketball without Kevin Garnett. You don't. You could probably, they could probably have found a guy who would have been the equivalent of Ray Allen being the third best guy, but you're not, you, they, there was no way they were going to get a player of the caliber of Kevin Garnett unless Kevin Garnett decided that he wanted to come to Boston and he did everything for this team while he was here. So you retire Garnett unless you are hardcore of the belief that you don't retire a guy unless he spent, you know, 10 years with a team. And was a great player for that team that whole time. Because if you think that way, then fine. I'm not going to convince you that anybody who only spent four or five years with teams should be retired. Like, I think that LeBron's number should be retired by the Heat. All things considered, he did the most. He was only there for four years, but he did the most you can possibly do for a team in four years. But shy of winning the t finals every year. But he came damn close. He got there every year. Won them two titles. Won MVP twice. Like, guys like that don't just come around every now and then. Those guys deserve to be remembered. But, you know, if you don't think that guy should be retired, you don't think Garnett should be retired, that means that you just don't think that anybody who had a short tenure with a team should be retired. Which is a perfectly fine thing to believe, but I disagree with you. I think that Kevin Garnett deserves to be honored by the team. Now, also, before... Before this episode, I was trying to post a poll asking if you think that Garnett and Pierce should be retired together, which I wasn't able to do because I couldn't figure out the poll app on Facebook, but it's fine. It's fine. But no, you don't do them together.
because, you know, Pierce obviously deserves more honor as a Celtic. Pierce is a bigger figure in Celtics history. He's a bigger figure in Boston sports history. Garnett doesn't even come close to what Pierce is as a Boston athlete. Once again, Garnett was a better player than Pierce, but he wasn't here as long. He wasn't, you know, the Boston guy, ride or die. He's not the guy who's being, you know, signing the one-day contract. You know, Garnett's that way for the Timberwolves. And also, I hear the argument, Jackson was making the argument that, you know, Garnett shouldn't be retired here because he should be retired as a Timberwolf. And I also believe that if a guy had enough impact to be retired in two places, he could be retired in both places. Because, yeah, a lot of the NBA fans outside of Boston will remember Garnett as a Timberwolf. But when you have your number retired, it's honoring the way you're remembered by that fan base, not by the rest of the NBA. And Boston fans have every reason to look very fondly back on Kevin Garnett being a part of this team. And just because and just because he has and him having that kind of impact and a way bigger impact with another fan base is just a testament to the kind of player that he was. And I don't think that he should be, you know, not get an honor that he's deserving of just because of that. If he's deserving to be retired by two teams, he should be retired by two teams. I have no problem with that either because, yes. He's a Timberwolf, I guess, in spirit. That's the team he was. He went to at the end. That's the team that he's trying to become an ownership. That's there. That's the team he's trying to become a part owner of, I believe, still. But just because he has that connection there doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve to also get the sort of honor here that he's deserving of for the impact that he made on this team. But I also don't think that he should be retired with Pierce. Because, you know, once again, Pierce is a way bigger figure. Pierce is a top 20 all-time, you know, Boston athlete, which is saying a lot when you look at the guys who have been around here. Also, I can't see why. Now, the only way I could see why I'd kind of be okay with it is if you were retiring Ray Allen and you want to do all three of them together and, you know, unveil the inevitable, you know, big three statue that we'll probably see eventually. Maybe then I agree with it, but then I'm taking issue with you retiring Ray Allen. Once again, not because he left, just because of the quality of player. If you're retiring Ray Allen, then yeah, then you're handing out retired numbers like crazy. But, you know, if you do the three together, I see the point there. But no, like, Pierceau deserves to have, you know, his own night. And also, I can't imagine ownership not wanting to do them both separately, because, you know, that's a guaranteed sellout, I'd say. So why do it once when you can do it twice? And also give both players the respect that they deserve. Uh, that makes so much more sense <laughs> from a financial perspective. So if they, and hopefully when they retire Garnett's number, which should be after Pierce, they should retire Pierce first, obviously. Probably wait a little while to retire Garnett. But they should eventually do it. So... Yeah, and, like, have Ray Allen come out at the end and, like, give him his phone number again and see how that goes. But I don't know. But just... I believe that Garnett is a guy who the Celtics should honor. He had the impact. I see him once again. He chose to come to this team without, you know, him being okay with being traded to a team like the Nets. You don't have the team that you have now. You don't have... You don't have... Blah. You don't have Brown. You don't have Tatum. You don't have any of these other tradable assets. You don't have the Lakers pick. You don't have any of these things that are helping, you know, make, that are making it so you're able to attract a guy like Hayward, able to always be in trade rumors with other teams or whenever one of their big guys becomes, you know, potentially available. Without Garnett, you don't have any of that. And you don't have the championship. And you don't go to game seven of another championship. Of another finals. So, yeah. For that, I think that Garnett, if you are okay with retiring the numbers of guys who didn't have, you know, a decade-plus-long tenure with a team, if you think that a guy that, you know, that the impact a guy makes can make up for the shortness of a tenure, then, yeah, I don't see how you can't want to retire Kevin Garnett. Anyway, though, with all that in mind, it's that time of day again when I, um... I'm going to be signing off here. You have been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7.
WXIN. We're going to be back next week at 4 p.m. Hopefully we'll have Jackson on next week. We'll be doing uh, be doing some training camp previews, talking about how the Red Sox are doing, any deals that they might make. Obviously, I'll be seeing if the Celtics have made any roster moves by then. Maybe dive into NHL free agency a little bit. See if Mayweather and McGregor do anything silly by then. But anyway, though, you've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. Once again, back next week, Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. Anyway, I'm Jake Elmsley. It's been I've had it's been a pleasure if you've been listening to me, and I am now signing off. <laughs>